previously on Movie Schmovie. I really have to use a bathroom. I'm so sorry. Wow, you all right in there? <laughs> That'd be a good time to turn off the microphones. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Steve, I'm sorry about the shit smell. Good God. Did you light a match? No. What? Your, your shit just smells like that? Yeah, my God. shit just smells like that. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, the reason I said that because I thought you lit a match. It, just, no. it smelled like burnt. Yeah. It smelled like fire. Yeah. Did you eat something that was um either like not cooked properly or... Alive? Alive. <laughs> Cursed. Good God! It's with, it's with like. Where'd my... you at? Where'd you say you walked up to that takeout window? <laughs> I had. Uh, I want to check what they served you. Vegan chorizo. Oh man, there's something in that that. So I apologize, <laughs> partly because I genuinely thought you lit no, a match. No, that's fine. Yeah, I wanted. That's tell why you I that. said it smelled like you lit your shit on fire because it smells. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah, wow, it's, it's some. It's like my diet, man. My diet makes it smell so crazy. Like, it, what, is, what is your see, diet? Vegan? You're vegan, right? Or you're, you're a pescatarian? pescatarian? A lot of like. That's beans. so. That's it. And then, so if you're a pescatarian, it smells like you. Awful. Poop, fiery poop. Poop, fiery poop. So whenever we do this kind of pre-chatter, the mics are on, and we haven't started the actual episode <laughs> yet. I always wonder, like. Is this appropriate? Should we leave this on just to kind of give people a window into our our real experience? And how like, much fun we have? Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think Absolutely. That, I think that everybody should know my poop smell like fiery shit. <laughs> and know that I make assumptions that people no, like imagine no, they that, take a shit. That, that it's not it's think, proper I etiquette. Think, I think what we're learning is that it's not just that it smells like fiery shit. It's that there's a certain kind of burning match head smell mixed mm. in with, there with is. your poop smell. <laughs> Thanks, man. I think your cat's trying to, to drink my water. Yeah, she's a she's she knows no boundaries. Hey, Nibbler. Good name. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here burning shit tonight on so sorry. <laughs> on Movie Schmovie. No, but this is episode 134 of mm-hmm. Movie Schmovie. My name is John. My name is Ron. And my name is Steve. And here we are. On the new episode. <laughs> it's wafting my way now. It's, oh, hit, it's hit me now. Uh, on, uh, on an episode that we're calling You Were Warned, The Council. <clears throat> and what that means is we're telling you that this is not an easy sell. This is a movie that... Um, that when I saw over a year ago, and these guys hadn't seen it yet, it was killing me that I didn't have anybody that I could sit down and dissect this mm-hmm. film with because mm-hmm. it seemed like there was much to talk about, much to unpack. But it is, uh, it's, uh, you may remember, it was directed by Ridley Scott. The big news when it came out was that it was the first screenplay written directly for the screen by the novelist Cormac McCarthy. Several of his novels have been made into. You know, pretty decent movies. No Country for Old Men being the big one. Yeah. So yes, from from that pedigree, Ridley Scott. Let's let's just for a minute. Let's let's look at the direction of Ridley Scott and kind of look at the movies that he's made. Uh, do you have much of an opinion one way or the other about Ridley Scott? I mean, are you? Do you think of his movies like if you were to, if you were to look at his list, mm-hmm. you would find that he's been making movies for a long pretty time. Steadily for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Ridley Scott's name once carried weight. Right. But let's look... Okay, from, from the start, uh, The mm-hmm. Duelists, 
Alien, which is the that's Amazing. my that's my main reason for wanting to say I'm a Ridley Scott fan. Yeah, yeah. But he's such a journeyman director that he doesn't really have one type of movie that he makes. So he goes from Alien to Blade Runner, which is a lot of people's idea of like a, a unassailable classic. I think visually it's really interesting. I don't know if I love it as much as the people that are just gaga for it, but I do think Blade Runner is a really important film. And there's Legend. Which is a really... I love that movie. <laughs> it's an interesting movie. Whether you like it or not, though, right. it's got, like, set design, and so many things about it are... I, again, you, I just can't think of another movie that looks that way, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I I remember seeing that when I was a kid, and that's just been a movie that's always stuck with me. It definitely has its issues, but yeah. I just... Tim Curry... I'm, I'm, I love... I fucking love... Well, the him. design of, the, of that, Tim Curry's that. makeup and costume it's and amazing. everything is really um, amazing, yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. What can you say? Tom Cruise and... Involved. Doing a very Tom Cruise thing that we now know he will do, which is, you know, it's doing like a fantasy film like this, <laughs> but like doing something kind of sci-fi or something outside the norm. It's not, you know, at that time he was Tom Cruise from, you know, The Outsiders and uh, I guess All the Right Moves, Moves. and uh, Risky Business. Business. And I remember hearing somewhere that this was the movie where Tom Cruise, <laughs> I'm going to say it that way every time now, <laughs> where where Legend was the film where he sort of decided he was going to take more control of the productions oh, he was really? involved with after that. That it was, I mean, Ridley Scott is kind of famous for having movies that sort of evolve and having a lot of different drafts of screenplays and bringing in different writers. And he, he will come up with ideas that are visual and then work them into the script. And I think if you look at some of his movies, there is a slight oh, yeah. style over substance thing going on there sometimes. Mm. Uh, and then <laughs> I don't remember someone to watch over me very much. I think that's Tom Berenger. I might be wrong. And then Black Rain. Uh, the uh, the cop thriller with Michael Douglas, Thelma and Louise, fourteen ninety two, great movie, White Squall, GI Jane, okay, me, Gladiator, That's great movie, Hannibal, me, Black Hawk Down, uh, uh, Matchstick Men, under very underrated movie. I think that is a very underrated, very movie. much. Yeah, yeah I, I really like that movie a lot. And it's funny that people talk about when you know Nicolas Cage spinning out of control so much in recent years. I think Matchstick Men is a sort of unsung. Example of him going in the other direction of playing a real character. Yeah. And, and I would say that Matchstick Men has qualities that if you think about the counselor in the same light, like one of the things that Ridley Scott does is he brings this production value to whatever story he does that they feel like big movies. Right. Matchstick Men is, is, could easily have been a smaller film, hmm. but it's directed with this, with this lushness because it's a Ridley Scott film. I think the counselor has that going for it too in right, that right. it really is like a, a huge seeming movie and it's just really well shot. But the story that it tells is one that you would normally see depicted in a much yeah, grungier uh, film. And then from that to Kingdom of Heaven. Meh. And then from that to A Good Year. I've never seen that movie. American Gangster. Meh. Body of Lies. <laughs> what nah, is that? Nah. I didn't really like that what movie Body either. of Lies? That, that's uh, Russell Crowe and... Uh... Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio right? Yeah. Oh. CIA something or another? I just wow, remember. that's really hard for me to even mentally I, picture that. I just remember DiCaprio in Shades. That's all I really remember about that movie. I remember seeing it and thinking, man, he looks weird in Shades. <laughs> and then his version of Robin Hood, which to me looked very dreary. Nope. Did not see it. <laughs> not good. Uh, and then the, the, the Troubled, visually brilliant, but... Terribly scripted, I would say, uh, Prometheus. I like Prometheus. The script has such problems. I liked it a lot, but it's, it's got it's it's got, it's an it's a really big example of one where I feel like you can feel the different drafts of scripts being welded together without mm. a lot of okay. success. But um, yeah, no, pre I, I own the Blu-ray of Prometheus. I I love it in in, in one way, mm. but I also 
it's one of those what could have been kind of movies. Yeah. But if you isolate, for instance, Michael Fassbender's performance in Prometheus, <clears throat> that, I mean, that's one of those performances that really helps hold the movie together. Um, the notion that he was going to then turn and work with Ridley Scott on another movie, <clears throat> when which is what was happening. They went from Prometheus to The Counselor. You know, I think I was really optimistic about Michael Fassbender working with Ridley Scott. It just seemed, you know, sometimes a writer and a, or an actor and a director will have that kind of partnership that they can carry over several films. Um, and that kind of seemed like it would be promising for that. And then most recently, he, he made headlines with his very whitewashed casting of Exodus Gods and Kings, mm. which was the first time that I would say I saw lots of headlines indicating this, that Ridley Scott was kind of like an old man whose time has passed. <laughs> yeah. But that was a very, I mean, it, again, in today's climate, I, I, I find things like that are just, why would you not make the decision if you're to, to cast Middle Eastern actors? Yeah. If it, you have to know the culture you're living in. Now, Ridley Scott's answer is very cut and dried. And this goes to me, tells you a little bit about the kind of director he is and the kind of career he's had, is that he said, well, in order to secure the financing, we had to have big stars in it. And, you know, there might be names that would be great for these roles that would not sell it overseas and would not make back the money for the investors. And yep. that's the goal of a director like Ridley Scott. On a certain level, the reason he's made however many movies that was, I just listed 30 movies or whatever, in that, in that amount of time since 1977, it's because he works well within the system and he does a lot of movies. He's always He's another guy... Uh, we spoke last week about uh, Joe Swanberg being a director who's always got one in the pipeline when he's finishing one. And it seems that every time Ridley Scott puts out a movie, you're, you're already hearing about whatever the next one is. He's already on the set for it. He doesn't do a lot of press because he's usually pre-producing the next one. Yeah. So in general, what, what are our feelings about Ridley Scott? Is, that, does With that list of movies, does his name mean anything uh being attached to a movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think what you said earlier about the whole style over substance thing is what I've kind of just grown to accept about him. Mm -hmm. I do recall, you know, I obviously I, I love Alien. I I'm and I'll just have to admit something. I've never seen Blade Runner from front to back. Me either. Um I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. So we're it's a safe place. Yeah, it's a safe place. Um I guess I love Legend, but I I I I always lean more towards what I love about the movies is the style. And mm -hmm. the atmosphere and the environment, you know, these worlds or, you know, this this world that you're you're brought to. I don't ever really feel like I take away, like, like the scripting or, like, really the acting. I mean, mm -hmm. there's some movies like that, you know, I, I feel like there are some really great performances in his films. But I, I, I just, you know, I feel like his background as a commercial director, like, it, like the 1984 Apple commercial that he's mm -hmm. so, like, popular for. Mm. And other direct, other commercials that he's done, like, it, it definitely, like... There's a there's a notion in my mind that like that commercial, like sexy like style like I feel like it seeps into every movie I, like that I've seen of his like yeah. even some of the lower level ones or ones that aren't really sexy like Robin Hood you know mm -hmm. there's definitely a style to it though that is super visual and like super impressive and that's you know uh, you know the cinematography is always really well done but. And even what we're going to talk about now, I mean, you mm -hmm. could still acknowledge those parts of some of this movie, but I feel like that's really the precedent that he set, and that's always kind of where I feel I've, I've viewed his most, especially his most recent movies, mm -hmm. is that stylistically they're pretty, can be pretty impressive. Even Prometheus, like, yeah. I'm not a huge fan, but I can't argue that it's not gorgeous. Well, I mean, like, I yeah, and there's moments in that where just the set design and yeah. the effects and the lighting, yeah. and I mean, and the lighting is a huge part. Like, Ridley Scott is one of those guys who, I mean, I remember the making of Alien on the, on the Blu-ray for that, mm -hmm. where... 
you're seeing, you know, before they shoot a shot, th- there's all this like smoke machines and spraying mist into the air and all these things that are going to filter the light and catch the light in interesting ways. When you see that movie and you see the way some of those shots look and you go, how did they get that? Well, it's yeah. like they were very, very specifically yeah. trying to create a certain kind of atmosphere. And he's a guy who will, like I said, shoot a lot of smoke into the air. You know, it doesn't look like a smoky scene, but he's yeah. creating some sense of depth in the air, some sense of atmosphere where if you light someone clearly here and you've got that haze all around them, it's going to do interesting things with light. I love that attention to detail. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of know what you mean, Steve, that, that there's, uh, it used to seem to me like Tony Scott, his, his late brother sure. was a much more, was, was much more the flashy style over substance kind of director in yeah. my mind. Yeah. But in, definitely, but looking at Ridley Scott's career, you can sort of see there's a family, there's some, there's a bigness, there's a, there's, there is some kind of scale that they both achieve and again, I don't think you achieve that without a budget. I don't think you achieve that without big names attached. Yeah. Um, good or bad, a lot of these movies are kind of huge mainstream entertainments. You know, uh, it's odd though that Ridley Scott is not a director who seems to get a lot of respect. I guess he's kind of a. I think the if you really look at where his legend is, no pun intended. I'm not really that really was not intended. I was looking at the word legend when yeah. I said that. <laughs> but where his legend is formed, though, it's Alien and Blade Runner. Sure. Yeah. And I'm not saying he hasn't made, I mean, other important films, Thelma and Louise, sure, yeah. uh, movies that made an impact, Gladiator, but I don't know if we relate to those movies as Ridley Scott movies, the no. same way that you hear his visual styling being touted, how influential it was, what he pulled off in Alien, what he pulled off in Blade Runner. So I don't know, I've always really liked his movies, but looking at this list, I realized I haven't seen as many of them as I thought I had, and that he, he has not made... I don't like as many of them as I thought. Right. When it's you like, went through the list, I don't... I think there's something really. I mean, obviously he's obsessive about visuals. Mm-hmm. I wish that he was obsessive about the content of the scripts. And, <laughs> and I guess we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But let's just say that of all the reasons, I mean, when we talk about doing this kind of you were warned thing, it wouldn't be interesting to point out to people that Critters Three is 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 not that great of a film, or yeah. it didn't turn out as good as it could. You mm-hmm. got to pick a movie that's like. There's already a podcast, actually, that takes really bad movies and says, how did this get made? That's the name of yeah. the show. So we're not quite doing that. I don't. The, the, the Counselor, I could see them doing on that show. I could see them having some fun with some Absolutely. of the stuff in it. But I, I think this, The Counselor is almost too reputable of a film, or it hasn't been around long enough. It doesn't have a, a legend associated with it. But to me, it's really interesting to look at a movie like this that has a director like Ridley Scott behind it. You know, and we can talk about some of the other things that are part of its pedigree as well. That you you would be excited for a movie like this because Ridley Scott directed it, Cormac McCarthy wrote it. His like I said before, his first screenplay directly for the uh, for the movies. I have not read any of his books. I've been meaning to read several of them over the years, but I just never have picked any up. Do either mm-hmm. of you guys have a real feel for Cormac McCarthy? I do not really know. So you just knew him as a name, yeah, same yeah. as I did. Um, and then the other reason why you might get into a movie like this or might expect a lot from a movie like The Counselor is look at that cast. Um, it's I mean, immense. At the time when it came out, too, I saw where someone had written uh, this film has like three of Hollywood's hottest leading men in it. And it's true that like you've got almost like different generations of... Oh, she's going after the cookie bag. Uh, that's all right. It's is it closed? Yeah. Um, that, you know, you've got Brad Pitt who's now going into his kind of craggy uh, middle-aged phase of his career where he's playing different characters. He's not playing the young, naive guy anymore. He's mm. playing the, the old Robert guy Redford, who's been uh, around. Yeah, stage. Very yeah. much so. 
And then you've got Javier Bardem, who is who's always interesting and makes really, really cool, weird choices with the roles that he plays. And Michael Fassbender, who I think we all sort of have a little a little crush on yeah. as an actor. I mean, yeah. He's been really interesting. So, yeah, what did you make of this? Like when this they started showing trailers for this movie, what were your kind of impressions at, at the time? I'll be honest, the trailer even, I was still kind of like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the trailer sells a much more conventional film than what this than is. is. Some yeah, of them but, with a beginning, middle, and end? But but, it, but, it, but it's still but it's still like the flash that gets you. It's yeah, like, you yeah. know, the mm-hmm. fact that you see the, the guys you just mentioned and all the beautiful women that are associated with it. And and then getting, you know, I don't know. It, honestly, when I saw the trailer, I, I still at that point thought like, what what is the, like, what the hell is this movie? Mm-hmm. Or like, what is going on in this movie? How did they get how well beyond knowing it's a really Scott film, but how are all these people involved with this movie? Like it's gotta be Yeah, it's gotta be be like interesting, like in the least, beyond amazing. It's gotta be really interesting for all these people to be involved with it. Yeah. That was my impression of the trailer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in addition to those three male leads, it's got Penelope Cruz as uh, Michael Fassbender's unnamed, uh, I wouldn't call him a hero, barely even a protagonist, but yeah. uh, his character's uh, betrothed to the girl that he's in love with, or the, the woman that he's in love with, and that um, kind of shapes what his priorities are for the whole <laughs> movie, which is just oh. that he really wants to live his life with Laura, the character yeah. played by Penelope Cruz, mm-hmm. and then rounded out by uh, Cameron Diaz as Malkina. Um, a, a character of uh, indiscriminate accent. <laughs> She's supposed to be Brazilian, <laughs> which is, is so strange to me. We'll we'll probably get to some of those those aspects. She's supposed in a bit. to be Brazilian. She, she, she they say it multiple times, which really makes me uncomfortable. What's up with Cameron Diaz? What is what is that? <laughs> I okay. mean, because here's the thing: I don't think she's. She's not ugly. But she's also she's not. Also, I don't know, man. Well, I, I have a note right here. Cameron Diaz looks horrible in this movie. She does look there, horrible. While one, being like the sexiest thing on the screen. There's one shot. There's yeah. one shot where she looks like where I was like, oh, hey, she looks pretty good in this. And then like it cut to another angle. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, there's something weird with the hair and the makeup. And it's just not a character. I think that it's really that character is someone I'm not attracted to, that person. But I'm talking more about just what's up with her in the sense of there are moments where I bought her as this character. I'm not saying that it was like great acting, but there were moments where I bought her as this character. Yeah. And then there were other moments where her line readings just fell so flat that I found myself, I just, I, I don't know, is she a bad actress? I mean, are we looking at someone who was, <sighs> yes. just, who was just well cast in a few films and that yes. was it? I, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah, she's a bad actress. I think, I think that she's been chasing or directors have been chasing that sexy innocence that she had in The Mask. Yeah. That 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 is what they want from her. Right, That's right. not what they get anymore. They get this like haggled. Oh, oh, it's so strange, man. Because she almost man. very defeated, man. Something about something about something about her performances as of late, the last like. Well, because I just remember the Annie remake. A lot of people Oof. were saying she was horrible in that. Yeah, you know, and I I, like everything again, she does, it's, it's it's everything is just like turned all the way up. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like, and and in this role, maybe that's the case, supposed to be the case. Well, that's but what it's I mean. Like, there are moments where I I bought the character, yeah. if not the if not the performance. Performance, you right? Know? It's like I don't know, just you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this the whole movie. Penelope Cruz mm-hmm. and Cameron Diaz could have swapped. I actually thought about that, and yeah. that would have been made more sense. Brazilian, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the gold tooth was fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have played. I at least thought I bet Penelope Cruz could have played Malkina, and it would have been like 
it would have been like it would have been like the center of the movie. It would have been like her and Blow. I don't know if you remember oh, Penel- yeah. Penelope yeah, Cruz and Blow. And Blow. Mm-hmm was kind of what I imagined that this character was going to be like when she first started. The problem the problem with Cameron Diaz is a force on screen. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to overplay the sexuality thing. There were a lot of scenes. I think I wrote down mm-hmm. something that was said that really bothered me. I'm going to find it. So, um Malkina. I thought uh, that she was supposed to be from Barbados in the movie. Really? I thought she was Brazilian. I, 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 I thought so. they were pushing the Brazilian. Because he, he asked her, like, something, or are the women are the women attractive in Barbados? And she's like, I left there a long time ago, or something like that. Whatever, I don't know, regardless. Whatever the fuck, man. Wherever she came from. <laughs> uh, damn it, I can't find it. But it was like, she was trying to come on to uh, Laura's character, Laura, Penelope mm-hmm. Cruz's character, and it was just like, a little subtlety would have went a long way mm-hmm. with her role, and it, and it was just kind of overplayed, and yeah. it was hard to watch. You know who was originally cast for Malkina? Who? Angelina Jolie. Oh, wow. And she dropped out. She probably would have been really great. She probably would have been I, way better. I, I just read this right now, and I, I kind of wish I could have seen that. Because Me I too. feel like Angelina Jolie almost like effortlessly projects... Sexuality. What, whatever. What, no, but not just that, but she effortlessly projects that vibe that Cameron Diaz was trying very hard uh, yeah. to project like yeah. i don't know how great angelina jolie angelina jolie is in every movie i see or how much i follow her acting whatever but she's usually very believable at least if kind of over the top and this character could have really could have really done with that i don't know that that actually sounds sounds better okay all right i have the i have the line and it wasn't even something like super crazy so they're talking about like her sex life like mm-hmm. what are you doing your sex life mm-hmm. and she's like oh, i don't really want to talk about it she says just rattling your cage what a world yeah, that, that line. That what? Line reading, I I know. She said it exactly. She delivered it with no feeling, and that was pretty representative of everything she said. It's so in the funny movie. that you mentioned that because that line stuck stuck Just out to me. Just rattling too. your cage. Yeah. What a world. What a world. What a world. Yeah. So. Okay. So <laughs> John's trying to rein this in. Well, no, but I was just gonna say <laughs> we're getting into. Uh, something that we'll probably be getting in. We'll talk a little bit more about like kind of pros and cons in a second of the movie. Okay. And I have a feeling we'll get this, but we're talking about the cast right now. So that's okay. that's the cast. The cast that's yeah. it's, that director, that writer, this cast. You know, I do remember seeing the trailer and kind of like you, Steve, wondering what the heck is this movie about. Yeah. But the movie still is like the the trailer would have you believe it's a twisty thriller, mm-hmm. and that you're going to be following this guy who's kind of working his way through the underworld and trying to do what's right or whatever. You didn't really know what it was going to be. You know, I knew Michael Fassbender was playing a lawyer in this world. But when you actually watch the movie, which I guess now we can kind of get into, since we're assuming if anyone's listening to this, they're either curious about the plot of The Counselor or they've seen it because they took our advice uh, on last week's episode and they actually watched it. Um, not a recommendation. We just said watch it so you watch can it. listen to us talk about it. But um, it's the story of of a lawyer who is kind of ambiguously, he seems to be getting into some legitimate business ventures with mm-hmm. a character named Reiner, played by Javier Bardem, like they're opening a bar together. But there's also, or a club, more accurately. But there's also this, on the side, this kind of drug deal that it seems like Fassbender's character. And we can call him Fassbender's character. We can call him Counselor. Yeah, everyone, in the, really mo- mo- everyone in the movie certainly says Counselor yeah. 50,000 yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but we don't have a name for this guy. 
but he seems to be doing these legitimate things, but he's on the edge with these sketchy people, yeah. and yet he's he's got some debt or some money he owes or something that they don't really explain, but he refers to it a couple of times, yeah. that money is an issue for him. He's getting into the, the other side of the, the business that Reiner knows about, yeah. which is this drug world, and there's these different people that are involved. It took a while before I realized... Um, and actually watching it a second time for this before I really realized what was going on there and that these questions that to me before seemed like big question marks, I realized the movie wants you to leave those open. We don't yeah. really know much about the, 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 the forces that exist outside of this group of characters that we've seen. We see that there's a cartel that's willing to do almost anything to protect its investment and everybody that uh, Fassbender talks to along the way, kind of warns him, are you sure you want to get involved in this? Counselor, counselor, are you sure you want to be part of this, counselor? Yeah. Um, and it's 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 funny. It's been the first half of the movie telling him, are you sure you want to get involved in this? And the second half of the movie saying, you made this choice a long time ago. You're paying the price. But, um, you know, it, it, you're pretty much right in there with that. And that's about as far as the story goes. He yeah. gets involved. There's some complications that we'll probably talk about. Uh, I'm under the impression that Westray... Uh, the by Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt character, who we should say comes in as kind of an advisor. Midway yeah. into the film, he goes and talks to Westray, and this guy seems like the final person who's basically saying, if you're giving me the go-ahead, you're, you're yeah. in on this deal. He's and, brokering and, the deal, it And he's like. also kind of telling him, I can't, you know, it's that kind of thing. He says late in the film, Westray says to him, um, if your definition of a friend is someone who'll die for you, then you don't have any friends. I thought that was actually kind of a good line because yeah, so often yeah. in movies you do have these characters who look out for each other, but at no point is anyone saying to the counselor, "I've got your back. We're partners." Everyone's kind of saying, "Are you sure? Are you sure you're sure? Yeah. Are you yeah. sure you're sure you're sure?" Because you don't seem like the guy, you know. You don't seem like the guy who would take part in this. I don't but, really know what the what is the deal. I, I guess like that's what I'm very unclear I th- about. I, don't, I, I think yeah. it was kept unclear. What are the stakes? And what I'm, I'm not quite sure. I of think any... it was kept unclear for a reason, but I don't. I do see. I mean, you can see the you can see what goes wrong. You can see what where the confusion comes in with the cartel thinking that Fassbender has has done some dirty dealing, mm-hmm. or that he's d- double crossed them or something. But at this point in the movie, all we know is that he's wanting to get involved. There's money that's got to get moved around. Uh, Reiner, uh, Javier Bardem's character, has has basically said, "Okay, are you sure?" You know, and he and, and he, he to illustrate. Uh, what he's trying to explain to him about these sorts that he's getting involved in. He's saying, if you want to get involved with these people, he doesn't say, here's what might happen to you, but he goes, he just starts describing something called a bolito to uh, uh, Fassbender's character. What what did you think of that description of the bolito or just the way that was unfurling? The did- bolito was, uh, the, the description was very fascinating. Just the idea of it's, I guess it's a offshoot of some form of a torture device that existed hundreds of years before that has like a modern version where you just kind of slap it on somebody. It's like you fit it over their neck. It's like a mechanical noose that you activate by tightening it a little bit. And once you tighten the wire around the person's neck, there's a motor in there that slowly tightens the wire tauter and tauter. And it's like, I guess it's built so strong that there's no breaking it off. It's like a holy metal, he calls it's, it. It's just going to slowly crush your neck, and you're going to die either from not breathing or from bleeding to death if it cuts through your skin first. Yeah. And the more you fight it, the worse it gets. Yeah. Um. So imagine, like, kind of like piano wire, except like... Except it's a device that someone slips yeah, over your neck, and then they walk away, and yeah. then you're just there dealing with it. So it's yeah. hard to believe, like, when he describes it, you do sort of know, well, this is a movie. We're probably going to yeah, see this. Yeah. We're going to see this on somebody, but who? And the suggestion is, counselor, this is what might be happening to you if things go wrong, yeah. you know? Um, Honestly, though, the the 
because of i guess we can, can we talk about the style of these scenes so these scenes are like what makes this movie so hard to watch is every scene every character has these anecdotal sort of monologues that are really hard to follow really except for the counselor yeah and they're supposed like he's the only character that doesn't really you don't get much sense of his character yeah. beyond the fact that he's in love with laura and they're supposed to be have some sort of message in him and they aren't they aren't always very satisfying no, like uh this guy talks about eating dog food to lose weight Mm-hmm. Uh, and he survives off of it. Well, no, he was fucking with that woman. He was woman. fucking with that yeah. woman, obviously, but, like, it's Well, yeah, you're talking was... about, like, there's a guy who's in line buying dog food, and the woman turns to him and says, I think he, he's just paying... Yeah, he's yeah. just He's just uh, saying, ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer, but she says, do you have a dog? And then he goes into this whole thing. But you're right about the fact that that scene goes on... Too long. For way too, too long. long. And doesn't amount <sighs> to anything except, oh, he does have a dog. We see him in the next scene, he's got a dog, and it's like, really? We went through that? Everybody has a story like this. This is a problem everybody everybody is has this almost informed perspective that's not necessarily informed at all mm-hmm. always some sort of anecdote about a woman there's a lot of guys talking about women yeah in this in that women, women, women. you know like like it's, what, what does he say uh, i wrote the line down because it's like if there were things that were like not so much like they're not like badly written but they're kind of overwritten um, but you know, lots of things like um, that sound smart. Is it the catfish scene? Like if you still had the <laughs> what you, was if, that? If you still had the woman you're weeping over, you'd be weeping harder. That kind of thing, you know. Like, but every line and as you, I think you said that these just seemed like guys that had never met. a Yeah, woman. never. Like basically talking about a woman from like if a woman were from another plant. Like if they had yeah. never heard about a woman, they just heard descriptions about them, mm-hmm. and they just tried to explain it all in these like. Stories. These kind of tough guy, sort of meaningful sounding stuff. I mean, which again, I I take that as a real symptom of they had this script by Cormac McCarthy, the the famous novelist, and they weren't going to tread on the verbiage too much. Now, Mm. I don't know how much that might not be true. They may have changed a lot about the script, but it felt to me like those monologues, those long dialogue scenes, some of them were interesting. Some of them were really well acted. Like I think Javier Bardem in particular does a lot with his character in terms of making him really... Interesting, like that scene you're talking about where he describes the bolito yeah. to, to uh, the counselor. It's a good monologue. Like the way it, he gets up in his face and the way he yeah, says yeah, it and describes true. it, you get a sense of it. That kind of moment was pretty good, but that whole, I feel like that scene around that was two or three times longer than that and had a lot of... There's so many scenes where someone says... The truth is, counselor. Well, let me tell you the truth. Well, here's what it really... You know, everybody's just constantly... Everybody you know, is so informed. It's kind of weird. And they're all saying, like, here's the truth, here's the truth. After a while, I started to think maybe that was a theme, that he's, so quote-unquote, the counselor, but at, at no point does he really give anyone advice yeah. in the movie. He's constantly getting advice. I don't know if a movie can sustain itself on that, that concept. But yeah, it did kind of seem like this hard-boiled view of women and the world that was kind of made up like i don't know if i really believed no. the world that this movie is set in it felt like it was so mm. so heightened yeah you know well I, okay so i can i can describe this this script as a. you ever heard of a stranger yes it's the act of sitting on one's hand for 20 minutes to make it go numb and then proceeding to jerk off with that hand mm-hmm. this gives a feeling of a hand job from someone else mm-hmm. this is literally what the script was mm-hmm. it's 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 so pretentious in a way that I've never. All right, so I like wall to wall, wall to wall. Like <laughs> I've never really. All right, so misogyny, man. Like misogyny is a weird, 
I don't like to use terms like misogyny very often because it's like, I feel like it's thrown at everything. Mm -hmm. This might be one of the weirdest movies in terms of like women. Like women in this movie are like. uh... It's a virgin or the whore. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. Makina then, is the is the is the 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 dragon lady. Yeah, you know, the super smart in a way, super super conniving, super sexualized, kind of mean mistreater of of the other characters, and then Penelope Cruz plays Laura, who is like literally the uh, uh, like shockingly virginally innocent seeming woman. Like even that that sex scene between the two of them at the beginning, which I actually I have to admit, as as corny as it was, there was something about just seeing intimacy of a sort that's kind of awkward and uncomfortable between two people portrayed like there was some part of that scene that i i, I felt like it worked for what it was trying to do it was very long which though. was like yes way too long <laughs> but that was there just to make you see what innocence what purity this character is trying to maintain in his life yeah. against all odds but um i mean we... but i mean like that vision of a woman is to kind of to your point sort of a Limited vision of a woman. Laura is a is a woman on a pedestal. You know, like she's yeah, perfect. Absolutely. Even when she talks to Malkina, she doesn't seem to have any understanding of the <laughs> darkness, and she seems just kind of confused. In fact, later in the film, she has a dream about Malkina that disturbs her, and it's like whereas if I had that dream, I'd be like, this Malkina, she might not be on the up and up. She calls her up to say, I yeah. want to make sure you're okay. You know, it's that kind of character. It's very strange. So yeah, I do think you're right. I think there is something about the depictions of women that are are kind of kind of odd, half baked, man. It's I, especially like scenes like when they were having like phone sex, mm-hmm. and the counselor goes, "Oh my goodness, is this phone sex? Like, what? I don't. It just." <laughs> also, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. I, I kind of took that as like her picking up, yeah, stuff from Malkina, like trying to be more like that. I don't know. But um, when when the counselor is in jail talking to Ruth, played mm-hmm. by Rosie Perez, mm-hmm. how fast is he going? Two oh six. Counselor says two oh six. Ruth says, "Yeah." What is that? Two oh six. Is that a speed? That's somebody's weight or time of day. It was like delivered really weird. Like yeah. it was like he was trying to ask. It was like a joke. Like t- somebody went two hundred six miles an hour, mm-hmm. and it was like a dry joke that just didn't go over very well. It's yeah, like and you don't really of- know how to take it. You're sitting there in that scene going, "Does he not know it's not a hit?" It's <laughs> like, a, is he being funny? Yeah. Like I couldn't tell if like, yeah. The, a lot of the things were like that. Um, it's just a weird. It's just a really awkward movie. Like everything fucking... you're saying about like the way that women. I actually kind of felt like. I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of actually felt like the most powerful character in the movie was Malkina. No, she definitely is. And ah, like, yeah. and and that was interesting to me only because of how over the top Cameron Diaz played it. And I guess that's supposed to be intent. I guess it's intentional. But um, I think the most, the the, the biggest consistent takeaway for me is that everything was so overdone. Like whether it was the length of a scene, <laughs> mm-hmm. the delivery of a line. The depiction of a scene. Like, actually, some of the more entertaining parts of the movie that I found were the two stories that Javier Bardem tells. Yeah. Like, the, about the, 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 what is it called? The bowling? Bolito. Bolito. And, uh, and the catfish scene. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the most intriguing parts of this movie to me, really. Yeah. As crazy as the, the catfish scene is mm-hmm. in, in, in the way he tells it. But the way he tells it, actually, I thought was really great. Yeah. And then um, the way it goes into the flashback and kind of comes back up. Yeah. Let, let's, well, let's set that up because I think that's interesting. We're talking about the depiction of women, and this is definitely the scene that might 
might be the main focus of that, which is there's a scene where where uh, uh, Reiner, Reiner, the Bardem character, just kind of seems shaken up. And again, I thought he did a great job of playing. Like, he just is shaken up that day. He's thinking about something. He yeah. can't get okay. it out of his yeah. head. And he's, and he's kind of... And another weird line that, again, only a writer who writes books... Like, we should have just taken a catalog of, like, what lines that you would you only write of dialogue if you were used to writing books? Yeah. Because there were a lot of things that are like that, where, like, a character just says something that in a book you would just read and you would go, it's part of the lyrical quality of this prose. Yeah. But when a character says it in a movie, it's, like, a bit much. But um, Javier Bardem doesn't want to say what's on his mind. He starts to say it and then doesn't. And then Fassbender says... Well, just pull up your socks and tell me. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what the yeah. fuck are you even saying? This... <laughs> but anyway, so right, right. so then he goes and he tells the story. What I love is how shaken up he is <laughs> as he tells the story of one night he and Malkina drive onto a golf course and she gets out and maybe, maybe t- tell us what she does, Ronald. <laughs> she fucks his car. <laughs> the windshield. His windshield. She's a windshield. But, but he, call, he says he fucks the car, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, well, she yeah. said she's going to fuck. He says when she gets out, he says, what are you doing? She says, I'm going to fuck your car. She spreads her legs as far as you can spread them and starts humping his windshield. So you, the impression he creates is that she has a, and he mentions she's shaved. So mm-hmm. it's a very uh, biological description of yeah. it. But like that she's pressed up against the glass and she's dragging her her uh, lady bits up and down the glass, yeah. you know, and he's on the inside. And there's a great shot over her leg of him <laughs> looking up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I, I did find that. But but again, what a bizarre exactly. scene that it exists at all. But I love, I mean, again, and I could see that as the ultimate, like, well, this is the most misogynist thing in the movie is that he sees confronted with the vagina and he's afraid and he's shaken. But I found his, how shaken he was just by the fact that if she would do that, then she would do anything. Yeah. That's kind of what I took that as, is this character is saying, but also the power she has over him and the fact that she's not just saying anything to, like she's sort of pointedly saying, look what I can do, <laughs> you yeah. know, look what I can do to your car with you sitting right there and I'm getting off on it more than you are and you're just going to sit there and watch. I do think there's like a power play oh, in her character doing that yeah. to him, but what we don't know is where that happened. Like when that happened, we don't know if that happened the night before or if that happened a year before <laughs> yeah. he's telling the story. He looks like Yosemite Sam, like like when <laughs> he's, got, he's yeah. blown up. When, like yeah, when Bugs Bunny opened up a box. So he looks yeah. like that. He's yeah. Yeah. he's tan like a black person. Like it's so weird. Like there's the scenes where like he's completely brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then his hair is so spiked. You're like blown back. And, and, and he wears the most flashy, tasteless yeah. clothing too. Like he tells a story every scene. I've, I I count it mm-hmm. every scene that he's in. He tells a story every single scene. Which is really hard to bear. Including that one scene where the story doesn't really go anywhere, where he's talking about the guys <laughs> oh, at the bar. Oh, that one scene? Yeah. yeah. I mean, most of the scenes. Oh, I want to talk about that scene, though, where he tells the story about characters we never see. He's talking about some guy who was hitting on women, and they you know, got beat up and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Like Again, while you're watching the scene, it gives you that kind of Tarantino feeling of, oh, this character's telling a story. This is a good monologue. But then when it got to the end of that scene, I thought, but I know none of that has any bearing on the story. There were yeah. several scenes like that, that. I thought might... the ultimate scene of that was the confession scene when she goes to the church after yeah. she talks to That almost Lara. plays like a gag. Yeah, Malkina talks to yeah. Laura about her faith and talks about confession and kind of quizzes her on it. And then a few scenes later, we see her in the confessional booth and the priest doesn't want to even listen to her because she's not Catholic. <laughs> even though... I, a... It's just like to get a... I don't know, it, like... 
she kind of intimidates him. It's and... that, yeah, exactly like what she did in the in the in the scene about the car. It's like just just to see how somebody reacts to it. Yeah. But they do skirt and so, like so many of these these overwritten scenes, they do skirt an interesting idea, which is she says to the priest, "You must have an interesting view of women yeah. because everything they tell you is what the bad things they've been doing, the worst things they've done. So you must have this image of women oh, in your yeah. mind as being so evil. I wonder if actually, now that I think about that, that's almost connected to what we're saying about the movie's kind of view of women. That mm. I wonder if that's like one of those metatextual things where they're saying you've you've taken it, like maybe to us, we've watched a lot of this type of movie, so we have this view of the femme fatale, this woman, okay. in a kind of a negative way. Maybe that, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to make excuses for it, but I'm just saying they, they, they did write that scene and shoot it and edit it and, and put it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So maybe there was a reason for it. Um, but I, I thought that was just an odd little moment. I kept trying to think of what was the point here. Well, well going into it, you almost feel like she's gonna she could use it as an outlet and you would like maybe get some more reason to why she ticks. You nope. Know, like, yeah. Right, you would think though. Like, <laughs> nope. you know, you know, you, you get a sense of it, but no. <laughs> no, not at she, all. She's just messing with the priest and yeah. and it has no payoff whatsoever. Well, you know, in the timeline, though, it's kind of interesting. She's messing with the priest and trying to tell him about the things she's done, right? Yeah. And he doesn't want to hear it. And, like, the next scene, maybe not the very next scene, but, like, the next big scene is the scene where he's telling, uh, where where Bardem tells Fassbender about the, 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 car. the car. So, in a weird way, we get, like, he confesses mm. to Fassbender. I don't know. I'm trying to make sense out of yeah. this movie. I do think there's probably there's probably some intention there. But as we discovered when we were talking about uh, Only God Forgives, that intention, yeah, intention as a license for what you're doing is, like, you know, it's a it's a reason, not an excuse. Uh, yeah. Can I give you a Westray line that I love? Sure. So it's at the point where they're trying to just like where he's trying to finally say, "Are you sure the fork in the road?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should tell you what Mickey Rourke told what's his face. That's my recommendation anyway, counselor. Don't do it. What? What is he talking? Mickey Rourke. He's talking Rourke? about Mickey Rourke in the movie. Um, in the movie, uh, uh, Body Heat. Uh, yeah. Where what? where William Hurt is the attorney. And and he says he calls him counselor a lot. Okay. So I think this movie being called counselor is a reference to that movie where he, they call him counselor a lot. But oh yes, very obscure. It's a, super extremely obscure. obscure line. Very very. And I, I even took me a second of like, what movie did Mickey Rourke tell someone? My advice is don't do it. Well, the problem with this movie is that everybody is like, gets very existential, and that shouldn't be a thing. Like every character can't get deep. And that's well, to, you're wrong, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> towards the end, do you remember that random Hispanic character that was talking about life and I don't know? You're talking about the guy at towards the end. Yeah, what the fuck was he talking about? I, I, at that point, you're just he was looking. Oh, yeah, you mean Ruben Blades? Uh, uh, the cartel member that he called. Yes. Out? Yeah. yeah. What was? I think he was I, looking for an out. Like he was looking for help. He was looking for help, and this guy was like the final voice. Uh, the end of the line saying to him, you're only running yourself ragged. This is yeah. never going to work out for mm. you. What, you should look at the choices you've made, um, which we'll probably get to that organically in just a minute here because the, <laughs> the choices are starting to pile up. But really what happens is we should actually focus on this. So the drug deal is going to happen. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what's going on. There's this whole thing going on with this septic t- tank company that has a truck that they've put these... We get a sense that something's being smuggled in these drums. We see it driven around. It's kind of a through line throughout the movie that we're kind of following this more and more. And we follow this motorcycle uh, driving kid, the the guy with the dog food, who we find out later is called the Green Hornet. And he's the guy that runs the component back and forth that they use to start the truck. I was a little vague on exactly what his role was, but he's someone who, who runs stuff back and forth for this cartel. Yeah. 
And then we find out that Malkina, the Cameron Diaz character, you know, presumably this this deal that's going on with this cartel, that's the drug deal that Counselor and Reiner and everybody are getting involved in. Um, but Malkina has her own plan to sort of, uh, I guess, get Under, the... We don't know what's in there yet, yeah. but it's drugs mm-hmm. that are being smuggled in these drums. And she um, arranges to have the, the kid on the motorcycle killed so that they can get to whatever it was he stuck in his helmet. Which, right, right. And so they cut his head off to get to that, which, you know, a lot of a lot of decapitation in this film. Which wouldn't be so bad, except for the fact that this kid who just got murdered, who is an employee of the cartel, that Fassbender's doing a deal with, he happens to seem like he's the attorney for this kid, and he's actually the attorney for that kid's mom, played by Rosie Perez, Ruth that you mentioned before. And we know that he basically just paid the kids fine to get off on a speeding ticket yeah. to, as a favor to her. Yeah. But to the cartel, it looks like, oh, you are the, the mom's lawyer, and then you helped You're this kid get out. out. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, he's dead, and, right. and our truck's been stolen. So it really looks bad for Fassbender mm. and everyone involved with Fassbender, including West Ray, played by Brad Pitt, and Reiner, played by... Um, Played by Javier Bardem and Malkina, too, by association. But we happen to know that she's in on uh, not. It's interesting how that plays out, because that portion of the movie had some of my favorite stuff in it, actually. I loved the guy that I think is just listed as the wire man. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a really efficient. He's like an assassin. He works for Malkina, but he's clearly they're spying on the Green Hornet, the kid with the motorcycle, and they're deciding what they need to do about him. And uh, the the sound design in the scene where he's setting up oh, yeah. the wire, and you see him like thump it, and, and you're getting like the vibrating line, but he's like setting the line at the right height the and tension, the right tension yeah. to cut the guy's head off when he drives by, because that's what they do. They set up a wire on either side of the the highway, and when he drives through it, they flash a light so that he looks up, and at the moment when he looks up, you know, yeah. off goes his yeah. head. And we even see the scene of him in the motorcycle dealership measuring the height of the motorcycle. I thought that was really neat, and I actually thought the the shootout that he was involved in later was really kind of exciting because it was a great "what the hell's going on" moment. These yeah. cartel guys show up; you barely know who he is. He's driving the the truck. These cartel guys show up and posing as cops, and there's a big shootout. And at the end of that scene, we're left with a character we know nothing about, who we then follow for a few minutes. I thought that was kind of neat. That part of the movie, yeah, yeah, it reminded me of. Um, the show Fargo, or even a Coen Brothers movie in general, where you see a scene and you really have no idea, wait, this movie could take a turn. Uh, and I think that happens in No Brother for where No Brother, I'm, I'm trying to confuse too. <laughs> no Country for Old Men. I think that happens in No Country for Old Men. No Country right. for My Brother. Yeah, No Country for My Brother, where art thou? Um, that, that happens in, in, in No Country for Old Men too, where where you have the storyline takes this turn, like there's a character who seems to be a lead and then yeah. something happens to that character and it goes off in a different direction. So I felt that kind of Cormac McCarthy turning the screws, doing something that you would that you would do in a novel mm-hmm. where you're following a character and something bad happens to them and then you follow another character. It's rare to see that done in movies and I actually thought that section in the middle with the shootout was kind of was kind of neat uh, yeah. and it was exciting. Um, <clears throat> but it gets really tangled at that point but what you're really seeing is that the truth doesn't matter and this is what Westray tries to tell tries to tell Fassbender's character is that it doesn't matter if you can even convince anybody that you that it's just a coincidence. What does he say about the cartel? He says um, uh, they've heard of coincidences, but they've never seen one. Right. Mm. So they just can't believe, they would never believe that Fassbender was innocent of conspiring against him. So therefore him and anyone involved with him is going to pay the price. And he even says earlier in the film that it's not like there's some boiling pit of rage at the at the at the bottom of this. This is business. They have to keep up appearances. So they do these 
these awful beheadings and these gory murders. And later we even have more, he alludes to something even more unsettling, which is that they, they shoot snuff films yeah. of people that they execute. And then there's some reference to what might be happening to the bodies after they're killed that these guys are paying for, you know, with a suggestion just being if someone's the sort of guy who's going to commission a snuff film and commission someone's corpse being desecrated. Uh, and that's like their form of entertainment. They're doing that because they can. You really don't want these guys gunning for you. Right. You know? Which is, in another movie, this would be all about the part where the hero tries something desperate to try to do something, or he tries to save the day, or he connects the dots, or he has friends that team up and help him. But in this movie, like Fassbender's yep. got no game whatsoever. He really was out of his depth. And all those times in the first part of the movie when they said, are you sure? They were kind of saying, really? You? Yeah. And now that he's involved, you know, like, worse comes to worse comes to worse. And he's he's left standing at the end. But nobody who was around him, nobody who he thought he was in cahoots with is standing. The craziest part about this is the more we talk about it, the more I think, even with this 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 movie that we have, mm-hmm. if they had a better editor, this could have been chopped down to an hour and a half, and it could have been a very easy to follow movie. And it might, I mean, easier. But, but, but what is actually, uh, yeah, I guess easy, that's the big thing. Easier what's to follow. What's the story? Right, that, that, that's what I was going to say. What's follow. the story? Like, I, well... I, there, I, there's really nothing beyond like seven different parts. Yeah, and at the end, you like one person kind of wins. Thing is, something. I'm all right with that. I'm all right. I'm all right with the the like looseness of the story. That's not what made it so shitty. Is the fact that those the looseness wasn't good enough for it to just be a script like that. Like that that can exist. I've seen it exist and be decent. No, sure, sure. I I, I agree. But I think like, you're right. It could be something that like there really isn't a story, yeah, but it's yeah. like something happens that then makes like, this happen oh, okay, and yeah. it's like dominoes. Yeah, you know? it's, it's like, like inside Lewin Davis, right? That didn't really have like to me, to me, mm-hmm. a beginning, middle, end the way that traditional movies do, okay. right? It was a little open. I mean, like it was. There were several events that happened in this man's kind of like a slice of life sort of thing. I would have been all right with that if this was done well, and that's possible. It's well, possible, think, but, but that's if my, that's if the counselor is like truly the lead character. <laughs> yeah, but he's not. That's very like, true. He's not. You know what I mean? Like you almost you 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 feel like you're more interested in like Brad Pitt's character or even Malkina's character. You know, because these are characters. You know, Brad Pitt. And Javier Bardem uh, both have the benefit right, right, right. of having these great bits of dialogue right, where, exactly. where they are, I mean, as much as we've kind of made fun of the script, there's also some good meaty stuff for some actors to tear into in yeah. this. And I loved most of the scenes where someone, at least a portion of them, where someone was schooling the counselor. Because <laughs> Brad Pitt, every scene he's with him, he's like telling him, here's what's what. you know. Yeah. And even though I got tired of the lines that started with, well, the truth is, counselor... <laughs> um, if you drank every time someone said counselor, you would be dead. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. you would be. Um, but if if you know, I in those mo- I like that hint of like this guy who's telling you what's what. But you, there is I kind yeah. There's no center to it, Steve. And I think that's what you're kind of addressing yeah. when you say what is there. It's like it's a story that subvert. I mean, literally, it is a story that subverts your expectation of what uh, the protagonist is going to be able to do. And so at every step of the way, where you would normally expect some element to come together, some plan, something. He's just not, he's not a guy who, I mean, he really isn't, he really isn't over his head from the beginning and he never should be part of this world. Yeah. And like even late in the film when they should be skipping town, when this has gone to hell and he said, get out of town and uh, uh, West Ray calls him and he's like, where are you? And he says, I'm at home. And he goes, like, at yeah. home. Like, yeah. What, 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 like, what, what he says, new. where are you? And he says, not, not at, at home. home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it reminds me of, 
this movie in general, you're right. You're right. I guess that's what it what made it. There's no center. It reminds me of the beginning, that robbery scene with the Joker. We're like, mm-hmm. the, the, somebody gets shot, and somebody else gets shot, and somebody else gets shot, and then the other one's like, ha ha, it's me yeah. at the end. But like, that's the whole movie. Right. There's a lot of that, like, fake. So I, I don't. The the story wasn't built so that suspense really meant things. It was, it, but I mean that's yeah. that, that's that's so in, that that's whenever some... part to it's an unconventional structure. So yeah, part of yeah. what we would want, but I'm saying if it were done, if it were really pulled off and didn't have us thinking, I mean, because frankly, if you're watching a movie and you have time to think about every scene being a little too long, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's if a real problem. If you have time to think about dialogue being pretentious then that's a little too much. If yeah. you have time, so it's like there is a tighter version of this that could have had less of that, less of that, less of that, and it yeah. might have felt a little bit better, but even within that, you would be saying like, like what are, what are we really pegging our hopes to? I think it was by construction an unconventional thing. I mean, again, uh, you know, Cormac McCarthy yeah. being a novelist probably had some really interesting ideas about how to put a movie together. If he's going to write a screenplay, obviously there was a, there was a concept there, but I think that it was just... Yeah, something about it felt like it wasn't hammered into shape the way that a movie like this normally would be. And I think what you're getting at is just that, that exact quality where it's like, I, I don't know how much better it would have been if it had been shorter, but at least then it wouldn't have tried your patience. Yeah, yeah. And you would be able to assess, like, how do the way these scenes hang together, how do they work? Because it's it's a it's a strange, it's just a lumpy story. Like, at no point do you really get a sense of when the drug deal goes down, how much money they had in it, what they really did, what they were expecting to do, how it was supposed to work out for them. I mean, unless I missed that stuff, yeah. I felt like that was all Whoop. completely on the edges of the story. Whoop. It took a while before I even realized that Reiner was was a kind of low man on the... T- he's not really that high up yeah. in the cartel. I thought he was someone that he's not. I thought so, too. And what would have been a, good, a best case scenario? I think a lot of the times when, like, the... When I hear about drug deals, you always hear about like what would be the best case scenario. We come in, we give them the money, we leave. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the good version of yeah, it. There was no. Best I didn't case know the good. Ver- I didn't know the best case scenario. What? So I didn't know what the worst case. What, yeah, what? I think at one point, um, Westray says something about the return. Yeah, like yeah. A thousand percent right. return. Yeah. Like the, I guess that's best case. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he never yeah, said that. Sounds pretty, <laughs> that sounds pretty good yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. But he did talk about the events that would lead to a best case scenario, which made it hard for me to understand. I think they were just smuggling the money into the country. But, but even still, even still, you know the rules. Like, you know, like, we'll cross the border, do this. We literally he find out money. what's going on with the drugs. Like, it's, it's like two thirds, three quarters yeah. of the movie before we see the drugs. And before we see what's been going on with the septic truck going around. And there is kind of a neat notion that they mention in there of these bodies in the drums sent up from Colombia mm-hmm. that no one receives and they just send them back down and then they get sent. I mean, this, the notion of being, of your body ending up in a drum that just gets driven around for endless time. Th- th- like, yeah. That's kind of a weird sort of purgatory sort of that that's kind of an interesting thing to ponder but even that was tossed off in a scene with john liguizamo for yeah. some fucking reason and dean norris and dean norris i remember seeing I, I them in the say something about the movie was just yeah. like this is kind of a side note but yeah. i want to throw it in since you just mentioned both yeah is how many like random cameos there are yeah. in this yeah. movie like it, tons of them it should have been a it should have been a great movie Edgar Ed, Ed, Ed ramirez was mm-hmm. the, was the priest uh liguizamo norris natalie dorman yeah, is, Dormer, is the, yeah. like girl that from Game of Thrones. Game Do you of watch Thrones. that? Yeah. Margaret and, uh, what's her uh, name? Who else? Uh, she was in, god damn it, she was just in a. Rosie Perez. Who the else? trilogy. What was the trilogy? No, that's Natalie Dormant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but Hunger what Games. is. Hunger Games, yeah. okay. Shaved head. Yeah. Um, 
I don't, yeah, that was like distracting to me. Yeah, it like particularly, I don't know, like particularly her because she was doing that British. I'm I'm a British actor doing an American accent where she was extremely, you know, extremely yeah. w- overly well spoken. But um, the um, the the other thing I kind of wanted to mention. This is just an odd Toby, thing. Toby Toby Kebbell. Kebbell. Yeah. yeah. Toby Kebbell's accent made me want to kill myself <laughs> it was like a weird southern accent well, i think they're supposed to be Wait, in the, you know, they're, I mean, they, they, you know they're in el paso or yeah, near el paso texas. so oh it's my like god Fassbender was doing kind of a weird texas accent too that wasn't yeah. quite there um but uh <laughs> and i love that guy yeah no i do too i don't AK. think he was bad i mean i think i'm that... I'm, 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 I'm excited to see him in uh the fantastic four movie <sighs> That movie, is, that movie he's, is shaping up to be. He's supposed a, to be Doctor Doom, I think, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Shaping up to be a pretty decent. And he was Koba, right? Yeah, he did yeah. the motion capture for Koba, and uh, yeah. But um, but back to what we were Sorry. saying about the kind of just the overall no, shape no, of cool. the movie. That like I think that <laughs> did it have a shape? It's like an amoeba. That's what. Makes well, it it's right. it's so amorphous, <laughs> and it it seems like. It seems like you have all those characters that can be kind of interesting, and they're kind of bouncing off each other in kind of an interesting way, and and they clearly have the idea of how these pieces could kind of fit together, but there's just no... I don't know if there's much tension in a story where you don't see the guy having any way out, but I do see why maybe a storyteller would say, let's show a story that doesn't unfold the way you expect it to, that doesn't show the guy having an ace in the hole. I mean, literally, you know, I mean, it's we're, since we're spoiling everything... You know, I mean, Penelope Cruz, who's really totally innocent in this story, gets kidnapped in, like, a really brutal scene where she's chased down and punched and thrown into yeah. a car. And you're just not used to seeing a scene like that in a movie where you don't see a scene of her, you know, tied to a chair, spitting in the guy's face, you know, getting a moment. She does, At that moment, she gets spirited off. And as far as we know, the worst thing imaginable happens to her before before we see her corpse, headless corpse, being, you know, pushed into a landfill. Yeah. Or was it headless? I didn't even notice Yeah. It. Uh, and, and and the, and he's received a video after yes. we've had this whole description of the snuff films and everything. Kind of love that scene. Horrifying though. I mean, yeah. super horrifying. His reaction... I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that this is a movie that like takes like she's the one character who another movie might have spared yeah. to say, well, look, she didn't get involved, but like she's tainted. The whole point is when you get involved in this world, if you don't know what you're doing, they're going to take down everyone you know. They're going to they're going to ruin your whole life. Um, you know, it's it's. It's grim and it's bleak. And I, when I was making a list of kind of pros and cons, one of the things I put on the pros list with kind of a, an asterisk was just the commitment to the ugliness that yeah. this movie, like the movie, is con- committed to that idea of the moral ugliness of what's going on, and it doesn't shirk this responsibility to say we told you know we by all indications this was a story about shit going wrong. Yeah. Well, shit went wrong, and there is no out. You know, for this I, guy. I have a theory. Um, that if it was if this script was in the hands if the this film was in the hands of somebody like <clears throat> Fincher or David O. Russell or Tarantino, it would have had a different direction. I would have loved all these people I would to be say in the movie. With David O. Russell and Tarantino, especially, you think that because you do picture them as strong writers, just the as well as would as well as punchy. directors. You know what I mean? Like those, yeah, because yeah. I I think that I I mean Ridley Scott is famous for wedging ideas into scripts because he had an idea for a cool scene or a cool sequence, right. and it might be something that's fun to look at, but. Oftentimes, those movies can be kind of, you know, we said it before, but kind of flashy and, and stylish, but not a lot of, not a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah. 
I was reading, I'm sorry. I was reading this note. I was like trying to find this note. The guy that was selling or telling the woman about the 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 eating the dog food. Yeah. And he said like they're like I forget the setup, but it was like there's side effects or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like you and he ended up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was like you got to be careful though because you might end up in the hospital. And she's like, did you end up in hospital like from from eating the dog food? And and his the end of that whole fucking long sequence was it? He said that he ended up in the hospital because he was sitting in the middle of the street licking his balls. Yeah, <laughs> got him. Dog. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's like that's such a stupid fucking. So but 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 it's an example of a writer writing like you know what I mean. That, yeah. that, that's exactly the kind. If you're reading a novel, that's exactly the kind of jo- long joke someone would tell in a novel. In a novel, yeah. exactly, totally. I actually also I wanted to say something about. I feel like the, I actually felt like the whole movie was actually Cameron Diaz's movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like at the end of the day, I kind of felt like the whole setup for her. And this is me giving the movie way too much credit. I feel like. The whole setup for her is just the movie is just about predator and prey. Yeah. The whole scene with her watching the cheetah hunt the jackrabbit, like mm-hmm. that's the movie. In, well, not in even a before, before that. She's on horseback, like racing the cheetah. Yeah. So yeah. She's she, it's even she, more. She's, she's parallel she's the to cheetah. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and the presence of the cheetahs everywhere in the movie, like even the fucking one sitting on the table when yeah. they're at the dinner, like yeah. Is that something now in Texas? Is that yeah. a thing? You know. <laughs> but I actually like now that I think about it more, like that I totally see that is just like her movie. She's got the last scene, like it's just her thing, which is why it's like what's Michael Fassbender's role in it? He's just the like the pawn that she basically writes everything off on. That's that's who they think it's all Well, what's interesting by. is at the end, though, she's actually... It took a while for me to realize that she's on the run. Like, at the end, she's shut out, too. Like, the, the, the cartel could come for her as well, mm-hmm. and she runs this this kind of side scheme to get at... Because she doesn't have the money coming to her that she was hoping would come to her, so she basically victimizes Westray right. because she knows she might be able to get access to his money. Right. So it took a while before I realized, oh, she's acting fully independently... To like that's how she ends up at the end with money is that she got Westray's yeah. money and it was her guys that put the bolito over his head not not the cartel it took right, me a right, minute before right. I figured that out but let's talk a little bit about that since we've finally well, that, arrived that, at that that was a setup that Natalie Dormer had with her when yeah. she got when she got the 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 password right and then she's like how are you gonna get the briefcase yeah well, she, and she's like I you know I have my ways I thought mm-hmm. that was neat that the the Natalie Dormer character was like um you know willing to go through with this. When she thought they were just ruining somebody, but mm-hmm. when she found out that it was like something else, yeah. you know, and, and she, when she doesn't take the money, I thought that was kind of an interesting. But again, an odd moment to throw in, an extra moment to throw in. We didn't yeah, need why, to see yeah, Natalie Dormer. Yeah. We didn't need yeah. to see her I, have one or two lines. Yeah. Here's the, I got the information. Here's your money. Done. Done. Instead, yeah. we have a little extra scene. But again, that's exactly the kind of thing you would read in a book, and you would get a little bit more of dialogue. Yeah. But um, it that part. Well, I mean, like you know, I think you have a vested interest in any in any Brad Pitt film. Well, how did you feel about Brad Pitt in this movie, and especially given that he has one of the more memorable scenes, let's say, in the in the film. You know, I I, I actually liked him in the movie. I, I thought, thought he was he really was good. One of the better characters yeah. in, in the film, and I thought he was just chewing it all up the whole yeah. time. Um, but that scene, the I keep I keep forgetting Bolita. Bolito. Bolito. Yeah. Um, I just remember when I I actually watched that scene three times because I was like <laughs> I watched it twice because I was like I was like watching like the stuff around mm-hmm. you know like the crowd watching and like just like. His body. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually thought it was really, actually a really cool scene. It was like, so I felt cool. like he just like giving all this advice out. Yeah. Giving all this shit out, this wisdom, these pearls he's dropping the whole movie. I just felt like immediately he just kind of got like this, like 
I'm fucked look on his face. Like he's like yeah. smiling as he's sitting on well, the side. There's a the moment where he kind of laughs. He continues to yeah. struggle after yeah. that, but there's a moment where he goes like yeah. He, yeah. like they got me kind of. Yeah. And yeah. That 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 part of that whole scene was like probably my favorite part of the whole movie, which is probably that look on even his face. thinking putting it together. Oh, that that girl that went to my room, she's the one. And he's yeah. like thinking yeah. like yeah, no, yeah. totally. And that and and that's kind of what I was thinking too. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of tracing back and it was like that's yeah that, yeah. that all makes sense. But if you look early in the movie, he says that that's the his problem, his weakness. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Women. Oh, I love it. That, yeah. that that was kind of cool actually. Yeah. Well, but the movie's full of little things like that. Now, uh, something else I wanted to kind of mention in regards to that scene was, um, did um, I mean, uh, that the extra detail of the fingers. Yeah, that was awesome. Cut off. It was so um, gruesome. I like that. It in another movie that would have. That would be the best. Well, you, what, if in another, I mean, it was it was like I'm surprised that scene hasn't been talked about by everybody. You know what I mean? I like, know. makes me think nobody saw this movie because it was it's so a weirdly cool. violent film. And I would even say like the scene where they get uh, uh, where they get Reiner is a really it's a cool scene. I mean, yeah, you've got that sense he's coming down this wide open road and all these dark SUVs. He sees them on the horizon and he just goes shit. And it, but of course, it's this movie, so he has he has Raul and Sylvia, the two cheetahs, yeah, the two in the back of the in the back of the car. But he wheels around, they get him. We can hear them say they're trying to catch him alive, which I guess that's the cartel wanting to maybe torture him yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or do something worse to him. Um, for a second, I thought that Malkina had sent them and that she just didn't want him killed. But that, I realized that wasn't the case. But that scene, the way it escalates, you've got the the crash. He gets out. He starts firing. He shoots somebody before they catch him in the head. He falls down. The guys go, ah, fucking shit. We were supposed to leave him alive. They leave. These two scavengers come out and start stealing his shit. Then... Two cheetahs or a cheetah <laughs> comes out of the car. It's like it was a great escalation of just yeah, weirdness was. that ends with I thought the they cheetahs. Gonna, I thought the cheetahs were going to eat I thought him. that's where they were going. I was like, okay, too. they're going to eat them. They're gonna eat him. I'm surprised crazy. they showed the restraint of the cheetahs not eating the yeah. corpse. But oh I thought God. the viciousness of you're dead, we've got your jewelry, we've got your sunglasses, you're done. You know what I mean? That was so sudden and just made you oh. realize this character who we've kind of followed and maybe grew some affection for. Yeah. Like he not, he's doesn't, not just dead. He's not human. Yeah. One minute later, they're just looking for. It doesn't matter what he's got in his felt pockets. Felt like Breaking you know? Bad a little bit. Like that. Yeah. Sort of there like, were definitely moments in the movie that felt, felt like Breaking Bad. Like there was something about it that felt very like, oh yeah. man, this is this is how cruel the drug dealing business is. And I kept waiting for the cheetah to jump, like for somebody just to get pounced on by a cheetah <laughs> randomly later in the film. Me too. But um, so yeah, I mean, like Brad Pitt did a great job, and I think that is a really memorable character. And it was sort of sad to see him go that way. But I'm with you, Steve. That extra beat of him kind of accepting, like I'm going to keep fighting this, but for a split second, there was this kind of like, God damn you, yeah, you know, like you got, got me. me, like. But also like, yeah, uh, that's that's such a gruesome. I hope that's not a real thing. I mean, I hope that's just made up for the movie. <sighs> I feel like it totally could be a real thing. <sighs> yeah, it's so horrifying. Absolutely. It, it's it's crazy because like, and when... it's scary that it sounds like just like a clock ticking. Yeah, like, you know. When it when Ooh. it first starts and everybody's looking at him, at first it's like, oh, what what what's going on? And he's like, pulling he's just it. sitting down, and he's yeah. like, yeah. And then when people start to realize that it's a real thing, and blood starts like squirting mm-hmm. out of the side of his head, which is exactly what <sighs> I think it'd be cool if they shot that scene without telling people what was going to happen. Oh when my it, god! When yeah, it, yeah, that would be an amazing. Like, it if, would be. If that's man. what they did. That'd be cool because some of the people react to it like that. Yeah. If you look well, at supposedly the background, that people... scene was less graphic in the ver- the shorter version. I remember oh, really? reading that was one of the things where Ridley Scott said <laughs> that he added some stuff. But you know, he added like it jumped up from like less than two hours to two hours and seventeen minutes, yeah. so like twenty extra minutes in wow. the extended mm. version. Um, but supposedly, a lot of the scenes are just longer in the version that we saw. So I'm wondering if we would have liked the shorter version better. But mm. knowing that certain scenes, like the Bolito scene, were cut down, I mean, as gruesome as that was, you did sort of feel like 
they they set us up. They described it. We're seeing it happen. You know, it did. You just kind of... wonder who it's going to happen to. Yeah. yeah. But right down to like the the blood spraying on the spectators, as he described earlier. Now, before he was describing more of a scenario where this would be done and there would be people there to watch someone get murdered, but the way that it still had an audience. And there was something so something so gruesome about that aspect that you're on a crowded street and there's all these people standing around you and there's not a damn thing anybody could do to help yeah. you and you're just waiting for it to take effect and on the whole time i'm wondering like when he said and it like takes their head off and he says sometimes yeah i'm like i wonder is it going to get through his yeah. head and then yeah. you see like they fucking put his head like in his crotch well, as they, as they lift him up. yeah as they lift him up the yeah, head pops, it pops off. falls off supposedly uh i i'd read some write up on the commentary that said at that point uh uh ridley scott said i'm I'm pretty glad I didn't put that in the like the, he was talking about stuff he added back in for the extended oh, version oh. that the head falling off it was actually he was like eh, I'm pretty comfortable with not having put that in the, in the <laughs> theatrical movie but I thought that was such a weird note right to what you said that like they pick it up and they stick it and he's a guy who kind of thinks with his dick so what do they do put it right in his crotch I mean the visual symbolism of that is actually kind of kind of interesting so I mean clearly the, the had some good points some really in it, interesting things going on in it yeah yeah but uh, you know I would just say. I don't want to get involved in any drug deals. That's kind of my general Fuck takeaway. No, from man. That's, that, that's probably what the whole movie is, like anti-drug campaign. Yeah, I'm right? like, <laughs> well, well, crazy. Well, they always, they go into the definition of the word cautionary several times in the film. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe this is intended to be just a cautionary tale. Oh, or is it intended to be, let, let's let's take the idea of the guy who gets involved and gets in over his head. Let's take that idea and strip all the romance out of it and strip yeah. all of the the you could think your way out or you could be, you know, you could be that guy who could escape with the money and the girl and instead show you the realities of it. But I almost feel like the movie is doing something even weirder than that that I may not have fully grasped. At the end, they really put the finer point on it by having her talk about predators and prey. Yeah. It's a little bit too much of a mission yeah. statement. But I also thought the strangest choice was to end with the weirdest line delivery. You know, one of her, you know, you're talking about her line delivery of What a World earlier in the film. But the way she says, I'm famished. I'm famished at the end of the movie. They're sitting at the restaurant. You know, she's yeah. with her banker. Yeah. And she's like, I'm famished. And it was once again like, what the hell kind of accent is that <laughs> yeah. supposed to be? What is she supposed to be? Supposedly, with? the character was written based on Rihanna. <laughs> like the Barbo- that, that's the Barbados connection. It, it was written to God. be based on, but I mean, who? In the book, though, it, I think she was Argen- Argentinian. Like, why did Ridley Scott and Cormac McCarthy even know who Bar- Rihanna? You know, like, what are they doing yeah. writing a character based? Like, do I not know something about Rihanna? Does she have a? a does she have cheetahs for pets? Does she? I don't know. She's she's a bit crazy, but like. She's rubber genitals I don't know on if she's windshields ever or anything. The, fuck the car. I, I don't. <laughs> God damn, that was hard to watch. I, I, but it's weird. Like if you think about like some of the context of it, it, it's like if it was better acted. It sounded like it would have been. It would have worked. Yeah, better or it could have worked better because I I can get along with like the whole like loose story. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with if, it. If if you know for the payoff that like they're really the story is like how this person ultimately gets it all. Yeah, or the the best parts of it. But yeah, I think that the, just the acting, the acting, quote unquote, but more of the script is what just like completely de- detached me from like the majority of the scenes in this movie. And the scenes that I like the most, like the, the, the Belito scene, mm-hmm. like no no dialogue. Yeah. You know, like it's just like reaction. Yeah. And, and, but it's also, it works because you've had it set up. Have you ever seen Layer Cake? Yes. Yeah. That's a good version of that. Like to me, like Layer Cake didn't have like, Boom, boom, boom. Well, the, the, those movies, like the Guy Ritchie films, like they yeah. all, like Lockstock, they all have that kind of tempo to them. Like, yeah. They kind of have. Lair Cake 
But there's still like a back tread. There's like a back. Yeah. Of those stories. Well, I don't think Guy Ritchie didn't do Layer Kick. I don't. No, think. no, no. He, Matthew, that was Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. I'm but, saying that. Lost, oh yes, like, yes, Snatch. Yes, like they, they all have kind of that kind of where it comes around to like. There's all these like little moving parts yeah. and characters. You're like, yeah. is that the lead or is this the lead? Yeah. Like, right. Who am I following? And then you kind of figure. It out. And that's what I kind of liked about Lair Kick. Lair Kick had. Lair Kick like, is great. It's a great yeah, movie, yeah. but it was a little more like loose in the way that like, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. You're right. But I watching a shitty version of it mm-hmm. makes you realize that like, God, man, no cast can oh, salvage totally. a shitty script oh man. totally no, no that's a great point you look at a script it's um, an yeah, ultimate I, script this is yeah. the ultimate cast, cast this is... yeah you look at the cast that you're working with and yeah you're, that, that's a good point you know you're like <laughs> oh man yeah you can't pop what is it you can't polish a polish uh, can't, polish a, can't turd. polish a turd turd yeah i'll never i'll never Especially look if it's, <laughs> if it's been on fire yeah <laughs> <laughs> a shitty <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like it's got that kind of overwritten so quality. Back yeah. around. Like I was that the scene near the end where he's in the bar, and the, there's some moment where the guy says to him, "Like, sorry, that's no harm," and I, which is like I don't even remember why the guy says no mm-hmm. harm to him. And it's like it's oh, that kind right. of overwritten where he's like, "No harm," that's a lovely thought. It's got lots of turnarounds like that where a character says a line to a character just so they can say this other line that clearly the writer wrote. That's it's, it's got to get that line in there. Yeah, yeah. but but if you stripped away some of that kind of pretension, I, I again, I do think what you were saying about following who's the lead character, there's a version of this movie you can picture where Malkina emerges as the the real character behind the, behind the scenes, yes, behind the strings, totally. that you would enjoy. And you would say, oh, Malkina, I thought she was kind of interesting, but now she, I see she's doing something else. Or you would see... But instead, it really... I think... I really do think that Cameron Diaz's performance kind of sinks that aspect of the movie yeah. having the impact that it could have. Yeah, she's you're right. Ho- oh, man. She's that, horrible. That's so, it's true. I, she's pretty bad in it. She's she's bad to the point where, like... Because you even sense that she's supposed to, like, feel bad for what's going to happen. That she feels bad for something. But, like, she does kind of have some affection for Reiner. You can tell yeah. that she's a you little... You know what that is, right? What? That's the cheetah's not eating him. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. a cheetah just yeah, getting was... out of the car and yeah. walking away. That's true. Miss M- Mother told us not to eat this one. Exactly. Yeah. But, like, you sense that. And I, but I feel like another actress might have been able to make that moment play. Penelope Cruz. Because there's that moment where she's like, you don't know what to do. And he's like, no. And you can sense, now that we know about uh, her character, we can sense it at that moment she's coming up with her exit, you know? Yeah. She's separating herself from him. Yeah. She does play a slight moment of looking at him kind of sadly, but it with Cameron Diaz, it just kind of feels like, eh. Yeah. But you could feel like it's if that were dead. subtler, you would go, oh, what's up with that character? Why is she... Even the scene where uh, Laura's character, where, where Penelope Cruz calls her and says... Um, you know the thing about the dream yeah. like that scene could have played really interestingly but the way she says like what are you gay it just kind of seems like like oh my there's, god it's so bad it's just yeah. a weird That's weird weird scene okay oh. so that scene about the dream i did want to mention this there's there's two so i believe based purely on the fact that rosie perez's character when her son dies she wakes up in the middle of the night yeah, yeah. so there's a supernatural component okay uh, are we to believe that penelope cruz really did have like a vision dream about malkina and she just misunderstood because she says, I had a dream about you. I couldn't decide why it was so disturbing, but mm. I wanted to call and make sure you're all right. Was that not a dream maybe about Malkina not being in danger, but a premonition of her realizing that Malkina is maybe. evil? Because maybe. they do have that one other moment where, where Rosie Perez bolts up. But I was like, what a strange thing to have two notes of, of psychic dreaming. Yeah. In a movie that doesn't have any other indication. Well, it's got everything else, though. So yeah, it's just I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, Rosie Perez's character is a psychic dreamer. Who knew? Yeah. Like, they don't really get into that much. 
<laughs> I think I think my son got his head lopped off while riding. <laughs> and by the way, bolting miles. upright after a dream is like gotta. Be, let's just let's put a moratorium on it. any movie that has someone bolting upright after a dream. Going. <gasps> yeah, because I've never done it. I've woken up from many nightmares. I've never bolted upright. I've you're woken absolutely, up. You're yeah. so right. Oh my god, yeah. you're so right. It's always like kind of. You, you always kind of yeah. In fact, if you have sleep paralysis, which we're about to find out about in uh, the nightmare when it comes out in a couple uh, of weeks, yeah, uh, good. you you can't bolt upright. <laughs> the no. whole point is that you can't. So, yeah, right. so that's like a little weird cliche, but I just thought that was such an odd choice. But clearly, it's in there. You're supposed to see it. You're supposed to think, okay, well, there's some kind of superstition in this movie that is real. Uh, oh, but man. yeah, yeah. It's like the, like all these like side characters are just like useless like ligaments to yeah. like yeah. the story like. <laughs> Now that I think of more and more and more about like all these named people that you spend like a minute of screen time with Mm -hmm. and like, like just her, like that's the last of you see her. That's the last you see of her. We hear off screen that she's, that she wants to kill Fassbender because she thinks he had a partner son, but that doesn't amount to anything. Anything. Oh man. Wow. A movie just makes me really achy and sad because like you think about that sort of dream cast sort of situation in you're, a good you're very, movie yeah you're very greedy you, mm-hmm. you made it right when this started when john named the three male leads yeah, yeah. you're just like wow dude you're fucking fortunate like yeah. this is like legit right here ridley scott is a piece of shit for ruining it <laughs> you know what i mean like it's really like well, let's put some blame on well, corbin mccarthy yeah. right, let's go with this yeah. i go more because i believe, too, I believe like... that a lot of the pretension that we're reacting against is definitely is, is, yeah. is coming from a script that that they didn't want to muck, yeah. they didn't want to muck with. They yeah. wanted to treat They're it like, like we. Yeah. What if he just won an Academy Award? for That kind of yeah. makes me sad. Like the idea that like maybe he read this script and he's like, "This is a piece of shit," and then just like make it. <laughs> yeah. Or. Well, I really think Ridley Scott is you like. Won't get Blade I, I've Runner got some too. ideas for some cool image. I mean, I think that he probably latched onto this content, and I think he's rather proud of the film. Um, but and there are critics. I mean, if you look, what's funny is, and actually, I do think this is kind of worth. It's like a fifty-four percent or a fifty-something percent of Rotten Tomato, which is generous. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's crazy? The more that I talk about it, the less I hate it. Be- because there are things about it that you should. Oh, like. Oh, there's some strong parts. Yeah, you should like more. <sighs> I, yeah, I feel the same way talking about it tonight. But yeah. watching it right I away, like, what, I was, what, yeah, I was very negative. What is this piece of but shit? But there are some cool things about it, and I feel like. That's probably where Ridley Scott, may, may, maybe that, I mean, there is a pretension to the script, but maybe the director that is really just focused on a visual style, mm. the film has the visual style to spare. Yeah. You know, it, it a lot of it is really nice looking, and there is a lot to be positive about, but maybe a filmmaker that maybe would have had the balls to be like, there's a problem with the script. Yeah. You know, I know who it's by, but... I'm not going to just try to get these awesome sights that I have or these ideas for scenes into something that I know is flawed. Maybe he doesn't have the the, the radar to know that it's flawed. I mean, because a lot of his yeah. criticism of a lot of his movies, like we said earlier, is is a, like weak scripts. I just wanted to, before we wrap it up, to give a little example of what's funny. If you go to the um, Rotten, Tomato, Rotten Tomatoes uh, critics page, yeah. you know how they uh-huh. have the little, little thumbnails of yeah, what yeah. the critics... If you read the negative reviews and the positive reviews, it's almost like they're all, it's like they're all right in a strange way. Like all that, like it's positive review. Uh, Wesley Norris, uh, no, Wesley Morris of Grantland says, it's filthy, nasty, sexy, absurd, appalling, and exhilarating, and it succeeds as a musky union of novelist Cormac McCarthy's bleakness and Ridley Scott's sense of chic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A negative review. A great writer's pompous idea of pulp fiction treated with stultifying seriousness by everyone else involved. True. Also, I agree. Also true. 
Each scene serves little more than an index card for the mechanistic plot, which Scott films in a glossy and fluid style befitting an industrial promotion for the movie's high-tech weaponry. I could yeah. buy into that. Yeah. It's like a mumblecore movie about a bunch of Sarah Lawrence <laughs> philosophy majors made by coked-up rich people for a hundred bajillion dollars. These people are onto something. I agree. <laughs> You know, sexy, complicated, smart, violent, cool. I think I agree with everything except for sexy. I didn't quite get the the sexy. Cameron thing. Diaz squat like she, she she takes away your boner. She throws some water on that. Flame. You're saying you feel the same way that uh, Reiner feels after that scene. You're a little yeah. scared of what she might do. A little scared after she fucked the car. So. I guess we're nearing the end of this conversation. Is there anything... If What would you say to someone? We discussed at the beginning. Obviously, if anyone has listened at this point, they've hopefully seen the movie. They didn't yeah, just yeah. listen to us talk about it in that kind of detail uh, without uh, without having seen it. But, you know, would 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 you what would you say is your overall takeaway from this film? Is it a... Is it a is it, is it, it's a you were warned, or is it a go ahead, or is it a wait for it, or is it a hold up? Hold up. But... It's a hold up. <laughs> no, I think I still think it fits the you were warned. Yeah. Oh, is that still an option? Yeah, no, I would say so. That's, that's the me. X factor. Well, now that you've seen oh, yeah, it, yeah. I didn't know yeah. if you would have changed it. Yeah, I guess I mean, I still think one. it's like an experience. I feel like mm-hmm. most movies that we probably fit into that category, I feel like there's something that you want somebody to at least experience yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. So like the, the hold-ups, you know, I'm just like, there's really nothing to, you're not missing anything by not not seeing this movie. Like, yeah. just stay away. That's I feel true. like that's the ultimate. Oh, no, you're like, right. The, 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 the you've been warned is like, there's a, there's a reason I want you to experience it, <sighs> but know that... It, there's there's like something odd or like there's there's issues or there's something that you're gonna be upset about or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would love for somebody to watch this movie in its entirety, then immediately after explain to me what it's about. <laughs> right. I would love that. That that is no, maybe that's right. where you've been warned. Yeah. Would be that I would love for somebody to watch and then explain it to me right because we have time. We yeah. had time to like sit yeah. down with it, beat it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, what would be your like five minute like in a nutshell? Of it'd this be movie? hard. It'd yeah. be hard. And I feel I think we're all pretty decent at summarizing some aspects mm-hmm. of movies, but like, well, this movie didn't. Have those things <laughs> you normally would say to those things you would normally warm. say to summarize a movie. This movie didn't have like normally you would talk about like the struggle of the main character mm-hmm. and what they were all about and what they were trying to do. But he's really kind of a vacuous character which yeah, i is. think is by design but i do think that's another problem of the film is that michael fassbender i mean i think it's designed for him to be kind of a vacuum mm. of heroism he, of yeah of of wit of intelligence of ideas but in in the end i think that made it feel like a much colder experience because there really isn't anybody that we're kind of rooting for and maybe a better actor in the malkina role would have would have made us feel like there was some pleasure some thrill in seeing her kind of be the last person standing but it, there's really not, because she's kind of... I mean, I feel like, and also somewhere along the way, we got a five-minute lesson on appreciating uh, diamonds, and we know a little bit more about that. I mean, there's lots of little bits of information that... No diamond is perfect. Yeah. I wrote that Something down. Something I learned. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so... Well, yeah. So that was The Counselor. If, yeah. if people want to share their own opinions with us, Steve, what, what's that email address? It's uh, movieshmovie at gmail.com. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Or you could feel free to post it on our Facebook page below the link that they may have clicked on to listen to this. That exists. You're right. Yeah, you could comment. That's a real that's, thing. That's a weird thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the website, movieshovie.net. And, and? And dot com. Dot com, yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. got both. We've got, we're working, we're trying to get dot org. Got on lockdown. <laughs> we don't make any profit on this. So I think we're safe. I think dot org, we can do. Dot XXX as well. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. is a new domain. Nice. That we're, you know, so... Well, next time we get together, folks, we're going to be talking about all four Mad Max movies. 
in an episode that I think we'll just call Schmad Schmacks. I don't know if we'll come across like a that. better name. Schmad Schmacks? Mad Schmacks. Schmad Schmacks. Mad Schmacks. But anyway, you Mad guys Max. you guys have plenty of time. By the time this episode comes out, the Mad Max film will have been out for about a week. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna give you plenty of time to catch up with all the Mad Max films and come back for we'll do a we'll do a, a franchise overview. I don't think we've ever really nope. done that before. I like that. But little tip of the hat, Steve now has seen all three of the existing Mad Max movies mm-hmm. before this point, before we record this anyway. Uh, uh, we still, I've only seen Beyond Thunderdome. You still haven't seen any of the, the first three? Watch the first 10 minutes of the first one. So we're going to make up for a hole in our... Uh, no, 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 didn't check out. It was... We got hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to make up for that hole in our cinematic knowledge and see this new film, which by all accounts is is amazing. I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. And you guys all out there listening, you have plenty of time to catch up with all four yourself so you can weigh in. Just like this episode, I imagine we'll be spoiling the heck out of all the movies as we talk about them. That's probably going to be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes with a new movie, when we're trying not to spoil it, it holds us back from talking about the stuff we really would want to talk about. Are we going to spoil the fourth? I think we ought to. Yeah, okay. it'll have been out a few weeks by the time. Whatever you sure. guys are comfortable yeah. with, I'm good with it. I love how Ronald has some morals. I do, man. Not about not about paying for movies, but about spoiling. I'm no Mal- <laughs> I'm no Malkina. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, <laughs> you you want to go for a ride out to the golf course and show me what you got? No, what the fuck? I can't. I, so... I would love to see the the gender reversal of that scene. <laughs> right. A woman, a woman talking about a guy doing Try that. Trying to put his balls on a glass. <laughs> what, what, would, what, what would they compare that to in, in the animal kingdom or the the, the ocean? What what would that look like, Ronald? I don't know. It was like a hairless anteater. <laughs> okay, I mean that's good off the top of your head. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe like a no. Think about that. We'll talk about it yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what you think. Yeah. I think I think anytime you got that flesh pressed up against glass, mollusk, sea creature, it's always going to be that uh, that kind of effect. You know, yeah. genitals are not a good look. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, that's going to wrap up episode one thirty. Four mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, as always, you made us gay. <laughs> Can I just add one thing? Sure. You guys have the most luscious pussy in Christendom. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I have that written down yeah. in my notes. That stupid opening scene. Yeah. Oh what god! <laughs> I was so uncomfortable during that scene. This scene was what awkward. bothered me too. I don't know if you noticed it. Like the, every shot of them, like up at the sheets. What the fuck was blowing around the sheets so much? Yeah. Was there somebody outside just like tickling them? Like they're yeah. like, I see you guys. It was like their arms were like. Well, were no, like they up. were still. Yeah. But like, if you looked at the sheets, yes, it, it was as though it was like, like a oh, fan yeah, was yeah. on high. I was about to say like, it was very much like rock video yes. fan blowing through the sheets, kind of lighting the yeah. entire shot. Yeah. The entire shot. Yeah. Damn. There must be a really like a window on this side and a door on this side, like a gust just going. When you give someone a vigorous finger fucking, yeah. Steve, sometimes you form like a <laughs> you just like, throw yeah. up. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. queef. It's a good point. This yeah. is a lot of queef. <laughs> wow. wow. Yes, yeah, what it was. Man. That's all right. All right, fair enough. All right, man. <laughs> there it is. There you go. There's your ending sound. Man. Good night. <laughs>